It's full of Legos. <laughs> awesome. And apparently next to a rail yard. Yeah. All right. So, uh, how are you guys doing? <laughs> uh, doing all right. Did you, did you finish well. to the moon? Yes, I, I finished to the moon this afternoon, so uh, we can talk about that. Um, oh, excellent. Drop a lot of spoilers and ruin it for everyone. <laughs> well, well, we'll open it up by saying that we're going to spoil stuff. <laughs> what if they come into the podcast midway? <laughs> oh, well, it is I'll streaming live. Who like to uh, pick up podcasts and then jump to the middle. <laughs> I don't want to listen to that boring that. bullshit in the intro and who these fuckers are. I just, I download like a bunch of podcasts I've never listened to. And I put it on shuffle, and then I skip to the center, just like you were talking about. <laughs> Podcast party mix. That sounds like uh, it would not be fun in the slightest. <laughs> no, dude, you do it. You do it at a party. You have the DJ shuffling through random clips on random podcasts. It's great. Well, it's, yeah, I love whenever you're trying to carry on a conversation, and then something sparks your interest so you listen to that and you just completely ignore the person that you were talking to oh i i do that all the time and it's awful it's it's <laughs> it's the add part of me that's like oh that's a cool song wait a second this person's telling me something important get off the song get off the song oh wow so our hypothetical podcast situation applies to you with music then. <laughs> <laughs> that's um, that's good to know next time i'm talking to you at a party <laughs> I've gotten better about it over the years. All right, so do we want to start this up? Okay, so let, let's just record a little intro type thing where we introduce ourselves, and then we'll we'll get into. The discussing to the moon and stuff, and then what is this like a is this like a class? Do we have to tell them our name, like where we're from, some of our interests? No, no, we don't. We don't have to do that. We don't have to Security pass around number. the cue card. <laughs> Let me tell you about that because there's no reason that if that's stolen, nothing bad will happen. <laughs> but yeah, just just so that people will recognize our voices and everything. Um, I don't know. Sh- should we like say a little bit about ourselves, like? Hi, I'm Ian, and I write stuff. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, people, will, if anyone I, that we don't already know listens to the podcast, I think they'll, you know, just kind of gather information over time. Make they'll get work. it through osmosis. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, think I might just say, <laughs> like... Rub the computer all over their face. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm going to get a drink of water real quick. That will make excellent radio. Yes, thrill at the sound of someone drinking water. Let me tell you about Perrier brand mineral water. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Ian, and uh, I'm here with Kyle and Brandon. Introduce yourselves, guys. Yeah, way to introduce us for ourselves. <laughs> yeah, this is, this I, I couldn't is figure out a good segue without just, like, dropping off. <laughs> I'm I'm Kyle, and I'm here to... Talk when Ian's not talking for me, I suppose. <laughs> Fascist. I, oh, I'm Brandon, and I am also here to talk, but nothing as witty as what Kyle just said. 
Everyone, I wouldn't really say what I said there was witty, but sure, go for it. I love right. to toot my own horn. <laughs> so we are here to uh, discuss stuff. We're just sort of free-forming it when it comes to the whole podcasting thing. We were like, hey, let's do a podcast. We all, I guess, have wanted to do a podcast of some sort, and it seemed like as good a plan as any, having no plan. So, uh, <laughs> Or name at this point, for that matter. Yeah, we have no name at the moment. Possibly going to edit that into the beginning of the podcast. Technically, so, no sponsorship. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I wish Crest White Strips were our sponsor, but <laughs> it seems like, you know, that'll have to wait. <laughs> um, but yeah, so our plan at the moment, our, our semblance of a plan is just to discuss whatever we feel like discussing. Uh, whether it's books or movies or video games or articles that we find strange or hilarious. Comic books, hairstyles. <laughs> Those crazy pizzas Pizza Hut only sells in the Middle Eastern market that I wish they brought here. The cheeseburger one? Or the one with pizza cones. <laughs> it has pizza cones on the crust. If you yes. don't know what a pizza cone is, well, fuck <laughs> you. That too. Uh, all this and more you can expect from this podcast in the future. We're going to try and do a bi-weekly schedule, I think. Don't know when this first podcast is going to end up because I'm going to be pretty busy in the next couple of weeks. My brother's getting married, so... Why is everyone getting married at this time of year? I have two weddings to go to in the next, like, two weeks. Because it's autumn and it's pretty. I have none, thanks for making me feel left out. <laughs> you can oh. have mine. <laughs> yes, have them. Yeah, I really feel like I'm winning. I have to dress up twice in two weeks. God. Well, that means you only have to rent one tux. No, nah, I don't have to rent a tux, but... Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm renting a tux. That's it's, it's crazy because I have, like, gotten three tuxes over the past five or six years for various occasions and I, I'm i like, why can't I just use the old one? But it's apparently not. Well, I know that two of them are too small for me now. One of them is a concert tux so I don't know how that would fly at a wedding. Oh, you actually own them? A couple of them. Like, I own the concert tux. Well, yeah. you are far fancier than I am. Yeah, I've, I've rented like two or three in the course of my life. Yeah, I I just I I thought I thought I rented like the other ones I had, but they're just lying around the house. So, whatever. Anyway, this podcast is clearly uh, thrill at the sound of a uh, thrill at the discussion of tuxes and weddings. But anyway, what uh, I can always edit out stupid stuff later. Nothing <laughs> gets me like... going like a cummerbund that matches. <laughs> I I think you should leave it in. All right. I, I I always feel like I'm making a fool of myself when I'm just going off the cuff, but anyway. <laughs> cuff. Like oh, cuff I leave leave this podcast right now. No, don't leave. <laughs> it's funny uh, because you wear it. <laughs> they have pigs on them. Please wear them. They're a family tradition. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, what uh we're gonna discuss today is the uh quote-unquote video game, I guess some people would debate this when it comes to certain games, but we're going to discuss uh, the video game To the Moon, which is on Steam right now, and 
probably other places, I don't know where else you can get it, but uh, it's received some notoriety, I guess, in the gaming world for its story and for the way the gameplay, or the lack thereof. If anything, you could call it an interactive story, since the only gameplay segments are just like uh, solving a little puzzle at the end of each stage. A very incredibly easy puzzle that <laughs> really seems like it's just there to break up the tears. Well, speak for yourself, I did not make it within the par of each puzzle. Oh. <laughs> I feel bad for you. <laughs> Go vote for the reform party. <laughs> what? It's a shot at your intelligence. Ah, uh, okay. Telling you to vote for a party that's never going to win anything. But yeah, do you, do you guys have any, like, just tidbits of information you can shed on the game itself, like, development or stuff? I'm, I'm basically buying time while I bring up the Wikipedia article so that I have something more to say about it. I don't really know anything about Khan Gal, the actual creator, but I'm pretty sure Lara Shigihara, who made uh, some of the music on it, I think she did the music for Plants vs. Zombies as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they, they put a reference to Plants vs. Zombies in the game, of course, when you're fighting the zombie, uh, what's her name? Oh, the, the female oh researcher. okay, I'm like, what are you talking about? Oh, yeah, before before we get any further, uh, we should probably say that we, we are going to discuss this as thoroughly as possible, so there will be spoilers. Um, if you haven't played the game, get it on Steam, get it somewhere, because it's... Get it directly from their website. Get it directly from their website, yeah. Um, because it's it's uh, very quick. Like I, according to Steam, I finished it in five hours, uh, and part of that was just due to points where I had to leave the computer and just leave it on one dialogue box open uh, because I had to go do something and then come back to it later. But uh, it's yeah, it's you can a very... get it from their website or be complete dickbags like me and Ian apparently and buy it from Steam. <laughs> I got it from Steam too. Okay, and Brandon. Brandon is also a dickbag. <laughs> Dick Bags Podcast. Way to give your money to Valve. <laughs> we're a private company and not publicly traded. Oh. Sorry, not everyone's Facebook. <laughs> what? Facebook is traded now. Yeah, it's public. Oh yeah, that's true. Which but it's not it's like doing, they... it's doing terribly. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, like it, a MySpace it... head stock. Is it bad that I'm kind of happy that it's doing terribly? <laughs> I mean, what's the stock even for? Just like the ad revenue they get? Yeah, I I, got, I have no clue. Well, it's um, where, where you know, they make their money is the information they have. Oh, okay. You mean like uh, people's personal information stuff? Yeah. Their photos, oh. their things like that. Okay, that that yeah, makes that's, me that's feel cool, safe and comfortable. I mean, I, I I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's where they get their revenue. Alright, so, uh, yeah, if, if you haven't played it, then definitely go get it and play it. It's a short game, and but it's really, uh, uh, well, l let's let's just burst into this discussion that way. I, I thought we could probably uh, start off just giving our thoughts about the game, our general thoughts about the game, and then dig a little deeper into it. Just start off going sort of round-robin style, so uh, who wants to start first? Not me, because I'm sort of hosting at the moment <laughs> um i'll i'll go um i thought it it was uh an enjoyable experience it wasn't it wasn't like as you pointed out the gameplay is not exactly the, the biggest feature of it 
but that was kind of a strength of it to me because I I find my I'm not like a huge gamer, so when I play games, I I tend to really enjoy the story-driven ones more, I think, than uh, action ones. Uh, yeah, I so. think narrative is, or I enjoy narrative in games more so than just like Minecraft or mm-hmm. Skyrim. And I mean, you can argue that the Elder Scrolls games do have stories, but I'd I'd argue that almost no one plays them for the stories. Yeah, well. I think a big reason that people play them is because of the open aspect, like, and, and that's one of the reasons I haven't really gotten into them. I, I'm with, I'm with you guys uh, about this. So if there are any people out there who are less story and more gameplay, then th- this, uh, ho- hopefully you can still find something to enjoy in this podcast, but you've got three people who are very uh, story-oriented. And, um, and yeah. What? Oh, well, don't get me wrong. I love a good sandbox game. It's just... When it when it comes to actual game mechanics, I'm not into like hack and slash fighting games that yeah. much, for example. Yeah, and I whenever I play open games, like I, I a friend of mine let me try out a uh, World of Warcraft on his account, and I just I I couldn't really get into it because whenever I'm I have an open sandbox game, I just don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> yeah, it it all depends. Like I have a lot of fun with the Elder Scrolls games, but I didn't have a lot of fun with uh, Days or Daisy or however you pronounce it, which oh, yeah. was a mod that was made for a terrible, terrible game that a lot of people will probably hate me for saying it's terrible, but it's Arma. Arma's a terrible simulator <laughs> with a really clunky, shitty engine full of bugs. And, yeah, Days, Days Daisy, whatever, was a pain in the ass because all, all you do is you spawn in, you look for a weapon, and then if the zombies don't kill you because they never stop chasing you, you get shot by someone 100 feet away. Yeah, a friend of mine has really gotten into Daisy, and I, I think he really enjoys it for uh, the quote-unquote realism aspect. I don't, I've never played it, so I can't really vouch for that. But uh, yeah, I it, he he will describe stuff to me in the game, and I. I I, it just doesn't seem like the type of game I, I'd be interested in playing. Too much it's, realism takes away from the fun, in my opinion. Well, it's it's to, to touch upon our uh, our sort of theme. It, you have to keep in mind that a game is a work of art, and so you can never truly emulate reality one to one in a simulation. The same way how in like a novel, you're never going to get. It's never going to be exactly the way things are in real life. There are certain. <laughs> oh, believe you have me. To take. Arma tries. They map the keyboard like three times over. <laughs> Hold the shift and press 1 to draw your weapon and turn it into semi-auto mode. <laughs> Hold down control 4 and 5 to aim. Yeah. It's also very it's technical. stupid and awful. I hate it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know if we mentioned this before, but we are sort of... We're using To the Moon as sort of a jumping off point to discuss... Uh, uh, video games as an art form, uh, but uh, once once we get uh, through our discussion with To the Moon itself, we will uh, get deeper into that, or maybe the conversation will just naturally lead naturally lead us there. So um, we'll see what happens. But uh, Brandon, was there anything else you wanted to say about the game itself, like just your impressions of it? And uh... um, I found one of its weaknesses for me was that it it did get boring at times but I feel like it was composed of a series of moments and those, the moments in particular like stood out. Like there's 
the like the horse riding scene there's like a certain like sense of joy that you get almost out of like discovering like oh yeah i'm riding a horse now mm-hmm. and <laughs> just like like moments like that that occurred throughout the game it really focuses on those to you know to the point that the the end of the game then is just you you sort of passively viewing the things happening but you're still sort of experiencing them yeah that, that was one of the things i liked about it is that it it didn't really have a set formula. It, it did have a formula to the gameplay, like each st- each memory you had to go find the uh, mementos and stuff, um, and then do the little puzzle thing. But it it was organic in that it was like, okay, we're we're at a horse ranch now. Let's let's uh, let the uh, let's let the player ride a horse. Or um, hey, there's a squirrel squirrel here. Let's randomly throw throw the player into. Uh, an RPG section and then make fun of them for it. <laughs> you asshole, why'd you fight that animal? Don't hurt that squirrel. That that was hilarious. I love that. I thought the, it was the, funny, but more of just kind of a reference for the sake of reference. The novelty RPG maker. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the engine was the RPG maker engine, so I assume they just threw that little fight in there to be like, hey, you're in an RPG that's not an RPG. Yeah. Well, it's not, it's not, don't get us wrong, it's not like the game is patronizing, but there are, it certainly no. has an attitude running through it. Yeah, it just seemed like that was more of a reference for the sake of a reference and not so much like the uh, Plants vs. Zombies reference that you made. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I think it's got a good sense of humor about it, and that's, oh, I'll, I'll get to more of well, the stuff that I like after you go. Yeah, it, it has a little bit of a sense of humor, but it's more <laughs> tragic than anything. I'd say there's not yeah. many moments in the game you find yourself laughing. And at the yeah. beginning, the um, uh, Neil, uh, Neil, the, sci- the male scientist, I hated him at first because I got sick of his jokes. Yeah, I like. I was the exact. But you same get way. to watch him eat olives. <laughs> you get to see him say how awesome he is at his job. Did you know that he's awesome? Well, the thing is, like, I, I, I felt the exact same way about Neil at the beginning of the game. And then uh, two or three memories in, I was like, I, I completely understand the purpose of him. I was like, okay, I, I can tolerate him because I know that otherwise this game would just be so depressing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he gets better as a character along the way, too. He definitely develops, yeah. which is... More than I thought he'd do. I thought he was going to be a terrible comic relief character. Yeah, yeah I thought that too. And then he he, he gained a, a bit of a heart, which I was happy yeah, about. Yeah, when was... they ask you to choose to pick a character at the beginning, I picked Eva because she seemed to be more serious and less of an idiot. Oh yeah, I did the same thing. Yeah. Granted, it doesn't change a whole lot later in the game. It just kind of changes some dialogue later. Yeah, for for a while, I was definitely of the opinion that you know, why couldn't there just be one researcher that you're playing as? But I, like you guys, I came around uh, once it got to the point where you're playing as him and you're you're almost defending the sanctity of the old memories. Oh yeah, we should probably yeah. describe what the game's about. <laughs> yeah, if we're that's just actually throwing important. in spoilerific reviews and shit, we might as well tell people what we're actually talking about. Yeah, I just started thinking about that. I'm like, wow, this is a cool discussion, but if people haven't played the game, they're probably gonna have no clue. Um, but anyway, yeah, so I, I have the Wikipedia article up just as reference. I, I won't read it word for word, but uh, basically, To the Moon is uh, based around this idea that you play as these two scientists, Dr. Uh, Ava, or Eva, uh, I always see Ava 
because of Evita Peron. I'm a fan of the musical. But anyway, <laughs> um, so you play as Dr. Ava Rosaline and Dr. Neil Watts, and uh, they uh, are employed by this company that has developed this technology that allows people to uh, re-experience their memories and then uh, reconstruct their life from those memories and uh, the people who work for the company are able to grant these people their uh, dying wish by adjusting something early in their history and uh, and then then you you nudging you them. live through the memories again is, yeah, it's essentially yeah, like the movie Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, but instead of erasing memories, they more rewrite your memories, so you can see what you wished your life would have been on your deathbed. Although, it, and that that is one of the things I kept thinking of while playing this. Although, I the the biggest difference I think is that Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, you don't remember your former life, but this one, you I, I'm pretty sure uh, you probably do remember. Well, it you you oh. don't get a chance to because you die. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot like That's Total true. Recall, except you die at the end of your recall, and no one has three boobs. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, this just this article that. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, which we'll bring up later. Th- this article from Kotaku actually is a does a good job of explaining it. Uh, to the mon- to the moon to the mon to the moon follows two doctors, Doctor Rosaline and Doctor Watts as I set out to fulfill a uh, dying man's last wish. wish. They're like the Make-A-Wish Foundation, only they don't actually make the wish happen in a literal sense. You see, they fulfill final desires via artificial memories. They use technology to step into people's minds. This technology has the capability of reconstructing memories, only they, be- they become interactive. The doctors can pause things, make people disappear, and change some, change some elements of the memory at will. Once in the memories, the doctors have to travel back to the earliest possible waypoint and use that memory as a nexus for the new, false memories. This is where the doctors are able to alter things to such a degree that the patient's mind will then construct an entire alternate life from that point onward, where they actually accomplish their dying wish. These memories cannot reconcile with the memories that are real, though, and there's such a mental dissonance that the mind ceases to be functional. The result is tragic, but romantic. You die, but before that, for brief seconds... For a brief second, you realize your innermost desire. You go into the light at the end of the tunnel fulfilled. And that w- that was something that I hadn't really thought about until I read this article, because it, it doesn't really allude to that in the game or explain it explicitly, that uh, that whole mental dissonance thing, that the reason the person dies right after is because it's like, oh, this didn't actually happen, but it, it is happening, but oh, crap, logical fallacy, death, or something like that. Yeah. You're, you're like a robot who's been told that this statement is a lie. Yeah. I'm going to say he's true. Oh. <laughs> Maybe we'll discuss that on, on another podcast. But yeah, so uh, where were we in this discussion? Brandon, had you finished up with just basic response to the game? Or uh, were we going to move on to Kyle? Yeah, pretty much. Like The only thing I'd add is just like the the game, like I was saying, the gameplay isn't really there. It's it's this kind of like point and click, but it really is more. You click on a person and you listen to them talk for a while. Is most of the yeah. gameplay. You read them talk. Yeah, there's yeah. no voiceovers in the game. Which which I was actually okay with. I wasn't sure I would be with that at first, but okay. Now, Kyle, what are your th- thoughts on the game? Uh, 
basic impressions and overall. I thought the game was good and I liked it. <laughs> the end. You speak now. I now. <laughs> Your turn. Maybe it's better to do like overall stuff at the end than first. I, I, I'm yeah, so I bad at this We could just talk thing. about the game in general and just go off of each other instead yeah. of making this like a roundtable discussion. Well, I think roundtable is helpful in just like having starting off points. Like maybe not start off with overall impressions, but like just naming like one thing you really really liked about the game or. One, and then one thing you really didn't like about the game, and then wrap up at the end or something like that. It had a good story, bro. There wasn't anyone with three boobs. Come. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I guess since I made you guys do that whole thing, I might as well go. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I I really enjoyed the game. I I knew going into it that the story was going to be good because just just from what people have been saying about it and the fact that okay, if it's made in RPG Maker and it's getting this much attention, then there's got to be something to it. And also the fact that, just watching the trailer, it's not a standard video game story. It's about a guy's dying wish and, like, reliving his memories and stuff. And it it, it was refreshing to me even to just see the trailer. Um, so I, I was really looking forward to play it. I didn't get to play it until, like, uh, a couple days ago, and as I was telling Kyle and Brandon... I just finished it up this afternoon, and uh, I I really liked it. I thought it was... I, I'm a sucker for non-chronological storytelling now. College ruined me for that by reading stuff like... Uh, or reading and watching stuff like Memento and Pulp Fiction, and then reading books like, uh, I don't know, Salman Rushdie stuff, where the timeline goes all over the place. <laughs> So that that was another thing I liked about this. Yeah, I thought what really made it distinct was it wasn't a game where you play an American soldier going down brown people and Russians. Yes, yeah, so that does set it apart. So a lot of games are that these days. Yeah, the objectives are less are less even solve the puzzle or something as simple as that, and more find <laughs> out talk to this why. person and cry after they tell you their story. Yeah, it's more <laughs> it's more like oh Johnny, that's the character whose memories it is. Johnny feels this way about this thing. Go find out why. Yeah. Bonus objective, conserve tissues. <laughs> it, it was very much like Memento that way, in that it starts with the end, basically, and you keep moving backward and learning more and more about this character, although it's for a different purpose than in Memento. Yeah, since you pretty much start out knowing how his life ended and go back to see how it started. Not I don't, to the I don't, point where you're, like, camped outside of his mom's uterus watching him being born, but I mean, you know, yeah. learning his origin <laughs> and, and why he is how he is. I, I don't want to, like, derail the conversation, but did anyone else think that it should have been a movie, maybe? I was thinking about that because, like, uh, you discussed that in a blog post, uh, in, in your blog post about it. Do you mind if we, like, link to it? Go ahead. <laughs> it is brought to you okay. by Crest White Strips, though. Crest white strips for when your teeth are just too Um, brown. Yeah, Brandon uh, has a blog, and he did a blog post about To the Moon and video games as art. Because of that, while I was playing it, I was starting to think of, like, well, how how well would this work if in a different art form, if it was a movie or a book or a comic book or whatever? And I I think if it was a movie, it would definitely have a much different tone. I mean, if it was an animated movie, maybe not, but if it was a live-action movie, I think it would definitely have a much different tone, because one of the things that, like, 
it, it shouldn't have made me averse to playing it, but that did make me averse to playing it at first was the visual style, because it was made on RPG Maker. But uh, I ended up finding that really endearing the more I, I went through the game, because it, it was a little more cartoony, but a little a little more cute, and um, not in a bad way, not in like a kitschy way, I thought. I thought it, it worked in uh, the visual style they were going for. Though there was never any dissonance, I felt like, between the writing style and the visual style. Except maybe when it got to really serious moments. Yeah, I think it worked since it kind of looked like an old isometric RPG, and RPGs are usually, you know, known for being kind of long-winded or talky. But I yeah. could see it working better in, like, the form of a movie or a TV show or a web series or something like that. There are certain things that would definitely change, like, what humor is in the game, I feel like would work works better as a game than it would in other forms. Yeah. Like yeah, I the, mean the like bickering. the main game element was the uh the little puzzle solving thing at the end of each chapter. Other than like a few times where you could like choose dialogue or something. Yeah. They definitely wouldn't have if it was a movie they wouldn't have the people wandering around the house trying to find mementos. They'd probably just I think they w- would maintain the mementos aspect of it, but it would probably just be like one thing that they have to find to lead them to a previous Or memory. they'd just kind of walk up to them and they wouldn't be spending five minutes, hmm, what am I supposed to click? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Point and click adventure adapted. <laughs> it seems there's a candy cane on top time. of this cabinet. I have to find the chair to move over to get the candy cane. Oh, did you give, did you give the kids the candy cane? Yeah, because cane? I'm not a prick. Yeah, wait, you can choose uh, not to? Yeah, you can choose not to. I didn't give them the candy cane. Candy cane. I'm like, I'm not letting these kids boss me around. I needed to pay them for their information by finding <laughs> that candy cane, and you know, it's it's part of a deal. Were, were, were they like hyper afterwards? No, I think they just eat it. No, I think they and were it's grateful. Not like you get yelled at or anything by the mom, who's yeah. like, "Why did you give my kids candy?" Yeah, I, I came was, here. Is it stupid that here. I was actually worried about about the mom being like, "What did you do?" You're supposed to be but sticking memories like, into this dead man's head, not giving my kids sweets. <laughs> the thing is, though, like, uh, I, after uh, I chose to not give them the candy cane, uh, I still wanted them to give me the tour. So, uh, yeah, when you decide not to give them the candy cane, I, I was Doctor Rosaline, so she was like. Um, I can't get you the candy cane now, but I'll get you guys five candy canes later if you give me the tour. And they're like, oh, that's awesome. That's so many more than just one. It's funny because kids are stupid. (laughs) (laughs) They are. Uh, There were some scenes that I could picture very clearly in like a cinematic form that I would have preferred. Like Mm -hmm. the scene where you, you get the revelation about like the brother and him getting hit oh, by the car yeah. like when it starts out that's the one and thing. they see two of him and they think that it's like an echo of the memory in, instead of yeah. actually there being two people I, I thought that would be like a neat thing to see cinematically but then other things like yeah. like the horse riding scene that i liked so much you wouldn't get that sort of visceral like pleasant surprise that there is out of suddenly having this freedom to like just run around for a little bit <laughs> but riding the horse is pretty much just like walking at you know triple speed. Yeah. Yeah, but like the music swells and. Look, what I'm yeah. saying is you're I... wrong, and <laughs> I think it's been proven. Yes, on this podcast, we do not allow any uh any dissent of opinion or wrong. This is the no spin no. zone. Anyway, um, <laughs> I, I actually I I I I enjoyed the horse 
section two. And I think there is a way that they could film that to sort of get that feeling of, if, if not the same freedom as like suddenly being able to ride a horse in the game, but just giving that feeling of uh, lightheartedness and uh, like showing the characters relaxed for once because so much of the time they're either awkward, on edge, or about to it's die. Like, it's like showing them playing football in the room. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, man. I have only ever watched oh, hey, that Ava. the Rift Tracks. Oh, hi, Ava. What did you guys think about the portrayal of autistic people in the game? Because I know, um, I know, I, I saw a comment on the one article that was from somebody who actually had Asperger's, and they were like upset uh, that it made people with Asperger's seem too much like weirdos. I guess. Well, I mean, I don't have it, so I can't really say from experience. But it's not like they made her into a completely freakish character or something uh the character of river which is johnny's wife she is a little distant and kind of strange acting but she's not like a freakish character or anything in that regard she just has trouble getting her uh, emotions across and if you go your whole life without any type of therapy or anything sometimes i'm assuming that can happen yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I feel like it was definitely one of the better uh, portrayals of autism I've seen. Yeah, I, I think part of it may stem from the way it's presented. Like, it is sort of like a... It, it's almost written in such a way that it's like a, oh, what a twist type thing, but uh, <laughs> I thought it was... <laughs> I like how it sounds like you did that in, like, a racist Asian voice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a twist well, it's it's from that old like, yeah yeah I'm not sure some yeah I'm not sure thing so okay yes I'm a racist bastard I apologize um, you heard it here sorry <laughs> oh no now everyone knows my secret but uh yeah like I think because it starts off like I I I really wasn't sure what she had for a lot of the game like uh, even when they were in the uh, either psychiatrist or psychologist's office getting uh, the diagnosis. They don't explicitly state the diagnosis. I, I still wasn't exactly sure what it was at that point. I can't remember where it was that I finally figured well, it out. Well, it's never actually stated what she has. They just they have the, um, the kind of references, and then they mention a book, and the book is an actual book written by a guy who wrote about the uh, subject of Asperger's and autism, I believe. Okay. And that's kind of like a big yeah. hint to it. The other things that tipped me off, although I wasn't sure about it at first, was the fact, like, uh, when uh, they're talking to Isabella, who is a friend of uh, Johnny and Rivers, um, she also has Asperger's or autism. And she, like, she talks about pervasive de developmental disorders and... She uses the word syndrome, and so that's that's when I started to wonder. Oh, maybe she's maybe she's talking about Asperger's. Oh yeah, yeah. like my experience. Um, I have a friend with Asperger's, and he he's not the greatest when it comes to talking to people. I've noticed that, but he's not like he can say what he means 
and Fields, unlike River, who seems to have it a lot worse. But I'm assuming since they mentioned basically she's first diagnosed with it when she's in her 20s or so, she never, you know, was given any help for it. I'm yeah. guessing why she has the, the problems kind of ex- yeah. trying to explain certain things, including a major plot twist to Johnny. Yeah, I think what I was trying to say before, which I was doing a horrible job of actually getting to the point of what I was trying to say, but uh, early on when there's that scene uh, at the lighthouse and uh, she's talking about Anya, at that point in the game you're not really sure who Anya is um, or what Anya is. And uh, she she named, just so I'm certain, she named the lighthouse Anya, yeah. right? Yeah. Not the yeah. moon? Okay. Like, at that point, when the, she was referencing Anya, and clearly uh, Johnny was sort of, like, weirded out by it, even in his old age, like, that made me wonder at first, before that scene, like, uh, if she was possibly schizophrenic, or if she had a dead daughter or something, um, just because of all the horror movies I've seen. <laughs> Basically, the game uh, just kind of plays with your expectations, like, oh, it's gotta be something yeah, weird. Yeah, well, and I was pleasantly surprised when it turned out to be Asperger's. Um, but then then again, I, I feel weird using that terminology because uh, I, I wonder, like like that commentary you were talking about, I wonder if they feel like it was just being used as for, for like shock factor or as a twist or something like that, which I don't feel like it was, but again, I don't have Asperger's. Yeah, I don't really uh, think it was being used exploitatively. I mean, it kind of was an important plot element. I guess and, they could have done other things to get around it, but I, I think it worked. Yeah, I feel like they. it probably comes from somewhere personal, too. Like, I feel like the decision to do that wasn't just random. Yeah. Yeah, I doubt I, they're like, hey, you know who we should pick on? <laughs> People with <laughs> developmental disorders. Hell yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, for, for me, the big tip-off that it was like autism was um, when... What's her... Was her name Isabel? Uh, the, oh, yeah. yeah. Isabella. When, when she calls name. she she calls Johnny neurotypical, and oh. I watched I watched this TV show called Alphas, and in it there's there were two characters with various forms of autism, and they called them themselves neurodiverse and. The one was talking to the other, and she's like, you shouldn't be so neurotypical like everyone else. And I'm like, um, oh, I've heard that before. One of the things that actually helped me figure it out was my grandmother is actually here for uh, uh, for my brother's wedding. It's in two weeks, and so she's staying here before the wedding. And I do have a point that I'm getting to, but uh, I was explaining the game to her because uh, she's she's very creative she's very open to anything creative and like i felt like the story of the game was interesting enough that uh she would she would uh appreciate it especially the idea that this was a story for a video yeah, well, game you mind um, watching fox news and yells at the tv <laughs> but uh i was describing to her the fact that uh river was naming this lighthouse anya and uh, she she was saying to me, uh, "Oh, what what's that word for when uh, when people apply human uh, human aspects to, like, to non-human things?" I didn't think of that word, although that word also kind of works. But uh, she was looking for the word personification. And then once I said it, like I was like, 
Oh, well, it, it wasn't like an oh moment like that, so I just lied, I guess. But uh, it it made me think more about like, oh wait a second, are do people with Asperger's syndrome are those? I, I remember reading somewhere about them applying uh, like like personifying uh, inanimate objects and stuff like that, but. I, I can't remember where I read that or where I got that from, but for some reason that connection was there in my mind. That, that's actually something uh, that we could talk about. Uh, how did you guys feel about the music? I really liked the music. Yeah. At some points it seemed like they were reusing certain things a lot because it seemed like the soundtrack didn't really have a huge amount of music, but there were a bunch of uh, pretty great songs on the soundtrack. Yeah, I wasn't... I will say I wasn't crazy about the one song that had lyrics. I really liked Everything's Alright. But, well, I did really like the main sort of theme for River a lot. Yeah. <laughs> for River? The yeah. theme song for River? Yeah. I, I really liked the soundtrack, too. I, I downloaded the game with the soundtrack. And uh, I haven't listened to the soundtrack on its own. But I, I, I agree with you, Kyle. I think that there were points where they reused stuff. But I think the song with lyrics, that was another sort of pleasant surprise for me. At first, I wasn't sure about it because I felt like the vocals were almost too unpolished for me. But like, I the more that I listened to the song, the more I liked it about it. Um, I didn't pay close attention to the lyrics. I, I don't know if they were really generic or not. I think some of them felt a little generic to me. But I felt like the way it was used in the story, I, I really liked it. Yeah, I mean, generic or not, the, the song worked, so I was okay with it. Yeah. Yeah, it worked well. Yeah, and I, I loved all the piano music. <laughs> Which was everything. Yeah. One of the moments that really struck me was there's a point in the game where Dr. Rosaline and Dr. Watts have figured out what they need to do to get Johnny to the moon, because that that's the whole point. They're trying to reconstruct his memories and change them in such a way that he gets to the moon, since that was, that was his dying wish. And you also learn why he wants to go to the moon, since it was never explicitly stated in his contract. Yeah. Yeah. And he didn't even know yeah, because true. beta blockers were blocking his memory. And I, I still don't know about the science behind that. What, but, beta blockers? Um, I, I guess they can yeah. wreck your early memories. I mean, I don't really remember like my early childhood that well to begin with. So if you had yeah. certain drugs, well, and then system, the fact I guess that, like, they could screw it up even worse. We're given so little about the mother besides the fact that she still calls him. She starts calling Johnny Joey after... Uh, his brother Joey is killed in an accident. I think it's just she kind of um, snapped from guilt, and I think that's the main reason she gave him the beta blockers, so he would forget as well, because yeah. I'm assuming she took them, too, and that's probably oh. why she blurs the line between Joey and uh, Jimmy. Yeah, I did, Cause initially I did not when think about that. She's calling him Jimmy. He thinks it's because of his uncle or something. Well, initially he tells everyone that she's calling him Joey because of his grandfather. Right, like he doesn't remember um, his brother either, so I'm assuming, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, he doesn't remember him explicitly. I guess subconsciously he does because of the whole, yeah. Yeah. So Dr. Rosaline and Dr. Watts figure out like what they need to do to change the memories, and they have a disagreement about it because... Dr. Rosaline, they don't make this explicit until, like, after you play the section, but Dr. Rosaline figures out that they need to pull River out of the, uh, out of Johnny's life in order to get him to go to the moon. Dr. Watts doesn't agree with this because he's like, no, this is, you can't just get rid of her. Um, and so she goes to the memory that she needs to go to and he's going to stop her, but she sets up all these obstacles on his path and 
that's probably the most game-like part of the game, where you're in this strange amalgamation of all these different memories of Johnny. Mostly school memories. Mostly, well, yeah, mostly school memories. Well, the thing is, there it takes place in the school, and like you go into classrooms to witness some of the memories, but some of the memories come from places that were definitely not in the school, which I thought was pretty cool, and which really reminded me of Silent Hill, some of the nowhere sections in the Silent Hill games, uh, which I love, and so if this podcast keeps going, which we hope it does, you'll probably hear me talk about Silent Hill a lot more, to the annoyance of everyone, unless these two stop me. But anyway, not talking about Silent Talked Hill. Away. Um, but, uh, yeah, so the, the, the section of the game, she sends, uh, Dr. Rosaline sends zombie Rosalines at, uh, Dr. Watts, that's what they were talking about before with the reference to Plants vs. Zombies, and as Dr. Watts, you throw plants at them, and the lighting is very dark, and the music at that point reminded me, again, of a Silent Hill game, because it was very, it was very minimalist, and it was very just made to make you unsettled. Um, and they had used that music several times before, like at moments where it was like, oh, something strange is going on in the memories. Uh, but that moment it was like, oh, here's where it comes in full force, it, which it was really subtle in the background. So I don't know if full force is the best way to describe it. But yeah, I liked that moment. Yeah, I was just listening to uh, like as a background to us talking. I, I actually just found the YouTube of... Uh johnny's version of the four river song and i'm listening to it right um, now and it was, it's a nice background to the sort of conversation about the music but um, well they kind of played it almost every yeah. scene with it, it almost became yeah. like a motif for johnny but yeah. it's which it's four river so ironically i, I have to admit yeah. it's making me a little bit emotional to listen to it yeah that, that's a thing like it, it's they make fun of the the song in the story for having like lots of repeated notes, these two notes going back and forth. But I felt like it was a really beautiful theme, and yeah, whenever it came back in, it was always at those moments that were like, oh, oh my gosh, what's no? How is it going to get worse? Oh no, it's getting worse. Oh no! Collective groan. Um, what did you guys think of the ending? You mean like the um, sequel setup? Oh well, there is there's well, that. I meant there, more like the, there's the, the space launch. Oh, I thought it was, you know, pretty well handled. Yeah. Like, it it was... I, I really liked it. I felt like it was... Um, so many video games, movies, books, and various forms of media lately have disappointed me when it comes to the ending. And it it's partly due to my own feelings about endings. Like, endings to me are the most difficult things to write when it comes to stories and to make a really good ending is really difficult i feel like so i liked the ending to to the moon a lot because number one the story as it went along kept me it it kept stuff in mystery not in a way that felt like it was keeping stuff like irrationally from uh, what's the word i'm looking for I didn't feel like they were playing with the player too much in terms of keeping information from them, and it kept me guessing. Whenever I thought I had something figured out, I I would see something else that would happen, and it's like, oh, okay, so there's this. Like, thinking that River was schizophrenic at first, and then finding out she had Asperger's. And uh, I, because of that, like, I didn't... Like, when, when I felt like I had figured out a part of the story, and... Well, I'll talk about a specific moment. When uh, they've reconstructed the memories... And uh, they've gotten Johnny to uh, motivate him to go, like, work to become an astronaut and get into NASA. And when they're at NASA and uh, Dr. Rosaline 
they, like they're experiencing these new memories that Johnny has of being in NASA, and Dr. Rosaline keeps say, saying stuff like, oh, it's not here, or why isn't this here? Maybe it'll be in the next room. And, uh, like, it, it, I feel like it was pretty easy to figure out, okay, she's looking for the platypus that River carries around, or just River in general. And when I figured that out, it didn't feel cheap to me. I felt like, I, I felt proud of myself for figuring it out. And that, to me, is uh, at least one sign of a good story, that I was able to figure it out, but it didn't feel cheap or unearned. It felt like, okay, this feels like the way the logical progression of the story and more than that it felt like uh it resonated emotionally and that's one of the things i really liked about the ending definitely there was like a lot of emotional payoff at the end it didn't introduce a lot of things and then not do anything with them and neither did it um pull things out of thin air to try to induce a, a cheap emotional response it it worked it worked for what it set up yeah, another thing that I really liked about it was the fact that there are so many stories lately, especially in horror movies, which is a topic for another po podcast, but there have been a lot of stories lately where they purposefully leave the audience in in the dark because they want that sense of mystery. And uh, while that sense of mystery is cool to have and it keeps you engaged in the story, when you don't have that payoff, it can feel really it, it, it made it makes me pissed off sometimes that was one of the things i worried about with to the moon like i was worried that they were never going to explain certain things i like one of i was worried that i wasn't going to be able to figure out what river's condition actually was but i feel like they gave you enough clues and talked about it enough that even if you aren't familiar with Asperger's, like the term, I think you might have, if you did some Google searching, you'd probably uh, figure it out. They, they gave you enough clues that you could figure it out um, without them explicitly stating it. Yeah, and um, even if you don't know specifically what she has, you don't need to to fully understand the implications of it. Yeah, you, you can understand that she does not interact well with other people. She doesn't pick up on social cues. They actually specifically mention that when Isabella's is talking that they don't pick up on uh, social cues that uh, neurotypical people pick up on. Oh, yeah, on. they mentioned it in the... Uh, I, I feel like it was like a bookstore slash bar, or where there's two different... <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, the front the front desk where, like, the cash register was set up almost like a bar. It was like... It was kind of like a... Uh, if Cracker Barrel were a bar and not a restaurant, like, there's the <laughs> bar section, and then there's the cash register slash knickknacks and books. Maybe it was supposed to be like a coffee bar, like a Starbucks inside a bookstore. Maybe. Uh, I mean, it's, RPG Maker's kind of limited in terms of what you're yeah. Yeah, designing your level to look like. It is also the near future, so maybe in the future there are bar bookstores. Oh, there's got to be bar bookstores already. <laughs> no, but, I've never heard of such I, a thing. I, I, refuse <laughs> I refuse to believe that no one has thought of the idea to come up with a bar bookstore. It's a hey, bar there. that only sells books from incredibly alcoholic writers. Oh, it's all Hunter S. Thompson. Uh, <laughs> oh, something about the ending I just remembered. One of the things that did kind of bother me about the story is that, like, uh, at some points it felt like it was a little too self-aware. Like, uh, there's that moment at the end where they're about to watch the, the rocket launch, and, uh, they, uh, like, uh, Neil's talking to the other people that are there, and, uh, he mentions how, like, they, they ask him how it went, and he's like, uh, yeah, we, we 
we got things to work out and we made it to this cheese fest or whatever way he puts it. He, he, I distinctly remember him using the word cheese fest. And there are several times in the game where he talks about how, like, oh, this is all about a girl, jeez. And I almost felt like those were unnecessary. I feel like, it, I think they may have been just a way for, like, people who may not have been as open to the idea of a, a game so motivated by story or so focused on story so that people could, like, relate to Neil or something. Like, yeah, this is kind of cheesy. Like, I didn't personally feel like the story was too cheesy. I felt like all of the sentimental moments were pretty earned. But uh, I don't know, what what were your guys' feelings about it? Well, I'm uh, glad they didn't slip in any of those lines like, what does this look like to you, a game? You're not in a movie. Yeah. That's the kind of thing that only happens in movies. I mean, I'm assuming they kind of did the self-aware thing because they already kind of broke the fourth wall with the little RPG battle sequence and things like that. I think the game was just trying to be a little self-referential, but it was nowhere near as awful as this game called um, Super Brothers Sword and Sorcery that's nothing but fucking self-referencing and fourth wall breaking. Wow. Never heard of that. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's another indie game. I wouldn't recommend it i mean maybe you'd like the music but the game's kind of dull and it's really up its own ass in terms of hey this game is a game did you (laughs) that you're playing a game right now let's break all kinds of conventions with this game i i did feel it was a little detrimental to to the moon to do that just because it's it's almost like here's this intense emotional experience but let's back up a little bit so you don't get too uncomfortable. And I feel like it's necessary to feel uncomfortable in order to fully appreciate things. You know, like, it's necessary to be yeah. like, oh, I think I'm going to cry a little bit. Yeah. Well, there were plenty yeah, of times I, where they just didn't care. And they just were like, bam, sad scene. But I mean, you know, important to the game since the game was more of a drama than anything. Yeah. And I, I think I think that's that's a good way to put it, Brandon. And uh, I I think that's one of the those are parts that probably would benefit if this was a movie. We we wouldn't have those self-referential moments, those self-aware moments. The, those those sorts of scenes probably would work better in a in a movie context. Yeah, I get, I'm I I will admit, in case it wasn't obvious from my comments, I'm very biased towards the idea that this should have been a movie. I just I feel like. As much as as it it is an example of a game that is artistic and or art, I feel like the things that really worked for it were when it was less like a game. Like, Mm -hmm. its lack of gameplay was one of its strengths to me. And so, to me, that's one of the things that tells me that, for me personally, I would enjoy it more as a, a cinematic experience. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It probably would have been just as good, if not better, as, you know, a movie or something. Yeah, I, I'm still kind of on the fence about it, just because, again, like, it, if it was made into a movie, I, I feel like it would have a much different tone. Neil would definitely be written differently, because he, he's the worst offender when it comes to the self-referential and sort of inappropriate humor. Like, there were a lot of moments where I was like, really, Neil? You're going to say that? At a moment like this. Yeah, there's some grunders. Um, yeah. Neil Watts, in case it's unclear to listeners. Dr. Watts. The, the, there was one moment I was playing this afternoon near the end where I was just like, okay, this is silly. It's when uh, they're at NASA and uh, they're looking through that window at the rocket. And uh, Do- Dr. Rosalind's like, 
Hey, hey, Neil, what what do you think is the best part of this uh, rocket? Yeah. And it, it's a pretty small window, so you can only see the middle of the rocket. And and Neil goes, probably the top of it and the engine. And uh, Rosaline's just like, yeah, yeah, I think it's really not worth seeing unless you can see the top and bottom of it. I didn't it. think that was like, kind of oh. funny, though, since you couldn't see the top and bottom yeah, of the rocket through the window. Yeah, I found that hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I liked yeah. it. I like I think the best part of that was it came after like the saddest sequence in the game. Oh, it's yeah. like we have this giant downer sad moment, and hey, look, a rocket ship that you can't see all of. Let's make a joke about it. <laughs> yeah, and and the thing is, like, I feel like that was one of the most breaking the fourth wall moments in the entire game, and it, for for whatever reason, I loved it. Yeah, I can't think of too many laugh out loud moments other than that. So yeah, we, we sort of naturally segued into the topic, like, when, as we were just discussing, uh, like, would it work better as a movie or in some other art form? I, I think it, it, as a movie, it would definitely be streamlined. Yeah, there was a lot of, I wouldn't say padding, I think a lot of the story was important, but they could probably yeah. condense it. There are lots of lines of dialogue that either were there just so that, to get you to do something, or like... Yeah, there were a couple of hints, like the... Oh, guess we don't know what to click next. Maybe if we talk to someone, they'll unlock the option yeah. to click something in this room. Yeah, I, I, I still don't know. I think that, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess one of the things is that I really like the fact that a game like this exists, that it's got a story like crumb this. believable. The um, word you're looking for is crumb believable. <laughs> crumb believable. This game was crumb believable. I find it, this game is crumb believable. But, yeah, like, I, I, I find it crumb-believable that a game like this exists. No, I, I, I really like the fact that a game like this exists, and I feel like they could have very easily written this as a book. That was one of the things I thought more of as a possibility of, like, what it could be instead of a video game. It's like, I, I, I thought of a lot of it could be translated into book form and still I can retain see, like, same. a comic version, but you wouldn't have music then, yeah. and that kind of takes a big aspect yeah. out of it. Yeah, well, it, it all depends on, like, which sort of medium is best suited to uh, portray memories, I think. Mm-hmm. And you you run into yeah. strengths and weaknesses with all of them. Like, in a, in a written form, for example, you're it's easier to convey the emotions that come with the memories, I think. Whereas uh, in a visual form, like a comic or, or a movie, it's easier to, to get that visceral sort of, I don't know how to describe it, that, that feel that you get with a memory, where, where it's, like you're, it's like you're recalling it yourself. But at the same time, the, all of those forms also have this sort of ability to put you into a dreamlike trance, where you're, you're kind of experiencing it yourself. So there's, there's different things that could be done well or, or worse. I feel like I have to forget a word now so I can join that club. One of the things that uh, Brandon discussed in uh, his blog post about this game is uh, the idea of video games as an art form, which is a big discussion that's been happening in the video games industry for the past few years. 
and uh, Brandon linked to a uh, Roger Ebert article where Roger Ebert uh, apparently is convinced that video games cannot be art. Yeah, he's and really against it. <laughs> yeah, and he he does bring up some good points. Like Brandon, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Well, his main point was that the mechanics of a video game prevent it from being art. His whole argument is when all you're focused on is complete this task and then get a reward. And when it's just a series of functions, there's not much that you can express in there beyond the task and reward aspect of it. I I would point out that in a lot of games, then the parts that are artistic are just like the cutscenes or elements of it may be artistic, like the artwork for it or the music for it, but the game itself might be lacking. But I think when you experiment with different forms of that task and reward layout, I think then the actual gameplay itself can become part of the art. I think it's um, it all depends on the game, too, like the narrative structure and everything. Like certain games, like if you can consider an action movie or something as, you know, a piece of art, there's not really a reason I can see why you couldn't really consider a game a piece of art. So it's subjective. But certain games, you know, uh, the Team Eco games, like Eco itself or Shadow of the Colossus, those games have pretty good arguments towards games as art, I suppose. But, you know, it's subjective. I I think art itself is subjective. Well, yeah, like, I I took an aesthetics class in college, and at the very beginning of the class, we had a discussion about what is art. And basically, the original meaning of the word art was that Art referred to anything man-made, anything that was crafted by man. So if something came out of nature, then it wasn't art. It wasn't until it's it was touched by man in some way and put under, not necessarily a microscope, but in the perspective of looking at it for an aesthetic beauty or something like that, that's when it becomes art. Like, the example that I, I always give is the Grand Canyon on its own is not a work of art. It's a natural beauty. If you take a picture of the Grand Canyon or if you do a painting of the Grand Canyon, then it becomes a work of art because you're looking at it through a certain lens that is synthetic to a certain What degree. about Mount Rushmore? That's half. That's half and half. Like the Arnold Palmer <laughs> of the art world. One of the things that I hated about that aesthetics class is, be, is that we read all these essays about the aesthetics, like how to define beauty and how to define like what makes a good song or a good painting or why certain things are considered more artistic than others. Or um, we we spent like the whole first class just discussing just discussing like what we think art is, and then we had classes devoted to paintings. Like we we talked about the uh, uh, Piss Christ, I think it is. Oh yeah, uh, the guy who painted. Uh, a portrait of Christ with urine. Well, it it was a it was a photograph of a crucifix in a jar of blood and urine. Oh, wow! I was completely off, and that's even more uh, unsettling. My favorite is the monster Jesus. Um, <laughs> that one that the old lady restored, and it looks terrible. <laughs> you, you know which one I'm talking about, right? In Spain. Oh or yeah. Something? Oh yeah, the the Leonardo da Vinci. Nah, it wasn't Leonardo da Vinci. It was it was like a minor artist from like the 18th or 19th century or something. I thought it was, but it was. (laughs) No, I think they'd be a little more protective if it was da Vinci. It was just an older painting, like an old like 19th century Spanish painting, and they're like, oh, it needs restored. This 80 year old woman who has like no art training was just like, yeah, and she makes it look like a furry monster (laughs) creature. 
And then it, it, it actually brought a lot of tourists in because everyone wanted to see it. And then she wanted money for it. She wanted, like, rights or royalties or something. But yeah, all, all of this to say that, like, personally, I do believe that video games can be art. And, like, one of the things I started thinking about with, with what Roger Ebert was talking about with the whole achievement-based thing, the thing is, like, for me, with a lot of games, since, like we were saying, like, I mostly play games for the stories, which... I don't know how a percentage of, like, the general gaming community does that, but I generally play games because I'm interested in the stories. And so, in a way, discovering more of the story is a reward for me. I don't know how exactly that affects the discussion, but I think it's interesting to think about. Uh -huh. Rather than playing the game for points or for achievements or to get a high kill count or something. Gotta have those chivos, bro. Um, <laughs> I, like, I'm usually, like, I learn how to do those things because it's part of the gameplay, but more often than not, I'm motivated to finish the game because I want to find out what happens at the end of the story, or I want to find out what happens next in the story. Okay, so you're saying the individual's intent can make something art, is sort of what you're saying, because it's, because games are participatory in nature, it depends on, like, your attitude going in? Yeah, it, it's... I guess I am sort of saying that, although I don't want to say that concretely, because just thinking about other art forms, like, I don't know if you can apply an achievement-based perspective to, like, viewing a piece of art, uh, watching a movie or something. I, I mean, you probably could, but it's a, definitely a lot more prevalent in video games because that's that's very simple where they started from. It was trying to get to the next level or trying to get more points. Oh, yeah, you kind of have to earn the achievement of, or you have to earn the ending since you have to play towards it. Unless you just watch it on YouTube, and then you're a prick, and I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one, one of the uh, interesting comparisons I heard, I was listening to The Nerdist the other day, I think, and they had Joe Casey on, and I can't remember exactly who that guy is, which is kind of awful, I guess, of me. But uh, they were discussing art forms, I think, and uh, he actually drew a comparison between uh, video games and books, which, you hear video games being compared to movies a lot because of the visual aspect, but uh, and how video games are getting closer. A lot of video game designers want to make video games more movie-like. But uh, he was talking about how there are similarities between video games and reading books because you do both at your own pace. You can play a video game at your own pace, and you can read a book at your own pace, and you can also put a bookmark in where you, where you left off and then come back to it later. Whereas with movie, like movies and TV shows, you can pause. But uh, movies and TV shows, if you're watching it with other people, then you're experiencing it at the same speed. You may not be processing the story elements at the same speed, but you're still there. Like if you go to the movies and you go to see a two-hour movie, you're there for the two hours. And everyone in the theater is there for the two hours unless they decide to get up and leave because they hate the movie. Um, whereas with a book everyone can read a book at a different pace. Like, I get uh, teased by a lot of people because I'm I'm kind of a slow reader, and part of it is because I'm kind of ADD, and I just want to make sure that I'm absorbing what I'm reading, and if I get through three or four sentences, and I don't remember what what where the paragraph started, then I'm like, okay, I should probably reread that again. That, that happened most often when I was reading textbooks for school and stuff. In the same way, different people play video games at different paces. A guy who's used to FPSs will probably blow through a Halo game in, like, uh, however many hours it takes, but someone who's new to the game will probably take much longer to finish that game. And I, again, I don't know exactly how that contributes to this, the discussion of 
whether or not video games are art, but I thought it was a really interesting comparison to make. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love how that was in tandem. And yes, in tandem. I guess it's speaking to the experiential side of art. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's part of what makes it subjective is, you know, you can read a novel, but it's not going to be the same experience for you as it will be for someone else. Uh, do you guys want to talk specifically about, like, if, if you have discussions with other people about video games as art, or you read articles online or anything like that, what what games do you usually think of as arguments for video games being art? Well, Braid is is one that I played specifically for that reason, and it it's more, I would call it artistic rather than art, because... Um, it's it's a conventional platformer, but with like a time travel twist. But it, it's got artistic elements in terms of the art for it and the music. But then it becomes art, in my opinion, in the last level. Where I won't give it away, but as you're actually playing it, your actions themselves are what drives the plot. And the specific things that you do determine the emotional impact that it has at the end of the level. What about you, Kyle? Uh, I probably should have thought about this earlier. <laughs> Man, planning. Yeah, I, I can let now, you think. Like, I'll, like I'll, the, I, now that I'm on the spot, it screwed me up, and I had something right on the tip of my tongue. It's a damn shame. Oh, do you mind if I, I throw mine out? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Well, one of the ones that I always point to, which a lot of people point to this one, and for good reason, uh, is Silent Hill 2. Because one of the ways that I think about whether something is like a work of art or in the context of books whether something is literature is the way that uh one of our writing professors in college uh described it i had uh, silas's first workshop that he taught at at our college but uh one of the things he talked about was literature should challenge the reader somehow and not in the sense that like oh this is hard to read because it uses big words or something like that but it should, literature should be challenging in that it challenges the reader to think about what they just read, think, to think about the world, to think about their own perspectives. Just to, it, it should challenge the reader to do something. So what I look for in stories, and also one of the things that we talked about in another writing class, we read this essay about a guy who, someone asked him what something needs to be considered literature, and the guy said, to be literature, it has to instruct and to entertain. It has to do both those things, or else it's not literature. Um, and I think, especially when it comes to literature and books, people often forget the entertainment part. So thinking about that in the, concept, on, in the context of video games, one of the reasons I point to Silent Hill 2 so much uh, is because, number one, it's got a story that I think does challenge its audience to think about the way that its story is being dealt with. I don't want to give too, too much away since it's not the focus of our discussion right now. We might discuss it in a later podcast or something. But just really quick sum up is James Sunderland is going to Silent Hill to look for his dead wife because he just got a letter from her, even though she's been dead for three years. And so the way that he interacts with the other characters, I feel like the characters are very well realized. I feel like they all have very mature storylines and backstories. And the way that they deal with James' storyline specifically is really uh, mature and interesting. And... Uh, Another reason that I use that as an argument for video games as art uh, is because I think a lot of really good pieces of art in different art forms, like movies, literature, or comic books or whatever, 
they really seek to utilize the medium to its fullest extent. For example, Watchmen, Alan Moore wrote that in such a way that he, he really wanted to show off the ways that comic books could be an art form, and he was really against the idea of it being turned into a movie. Then there are movies that don't necessarily talk about movies in the story itself, but uh, they really utilize the visual aspect, the music aspect, all the different ways that things come together in a movie. And you see it also in plays and books. And one of the things that Silent Hill 2 does really well, I think, is that it reads the player's actions. And uh, one, number one, it doesn't let you know exactly what it's reading at first, which blew my mind once I started reading online what it actually uh You mean like looking at the to. photograph and stuff or looking at the knife? Yeah, that, like, and they're really obscure things, but they're stuff that makes sense for the storyline. They affect the storyline in a way that is emotionally true. Like, if as a player you keep looking, like, examining the knife or the picture, not necessarily that you're going to do this. I, I, I don't know how many times I looked at Mary's picture or the letter from her, and those things affect the ending. But if you do do those things... It, it adds that much more emotional impact when you get to whatever ending you get. And uh, I think that's that's utilizing one of the things that makes video games unique, is that decision-making aspect, the fact that the player is contributing something to the story in a certain way. And it's something that, video, that you can do in video games and you can't do anywhere else. Yahtzee from Zero Punctuation brought this up in his retrospective review of Silent Hill 2 and why he thought it wouldn't work as a movie because it takes away that interactive element. And I think if more video games think about that interactive element in reference to how it affects the story, we'll, we'll see a lot more artful games. Like, Bioshock is another one that uh, I point to, but I don't want to get too deep into that because then it involves revealing major plot twists and stuff. So. And also, I've been rambling for a long time, so uh, I'll cut myself off, and we can wrap this up. Okay. Um... Yeah. <laughs> Any thoughts? Yeah, a little wordy, but you're making a good point. Yeah, a little wordy is generous. Thank you. He's saying what you need I... to shut up more often, Ian. <laughs> that's yes, a joke. Yes. Well, yeah, and no, that's... he's saying that I'm a generous lover. So. <laughs> All right, then everything's good. All right, and on that awkward note, <laughs> um, I I think I I enjoyed this so. Hopefully we'll get to do more in the future, and hopefully you listeners, listener, um, possible people <laughs> that, listening. That one listener, we're talking hopefully, about you, Ian. Yeah, hopefully Ian. <laughs> yeah, me. I hope you enjoy editing this. I don't know, maybe um, Crazy Annie will listen to the show. She listened to everything on the pulse. Oh, uh, yeah. Wait, I, I wonder if she has the internet. <laughs> I don't know. She was this woman that would call into Brandon in my show. Oh, uh, uh, you oh you guys did the radio? Yeah, for a yeah. short time, for a semester. Oh, cool. I'm sorry I never caught it. <laughs> it's all right. Um, we, we interviewed yeah. a, a vampire who worked as a bath fitter. I think I heard about yeah, that. He, he, like, doubled our fan base for that one episode. Yeah. Nice. Um, but, yeah, so uh, thank you for listening, if you are listening. <laughs> Um, hopefully we'll, we'll have a name at some point, and so we can set up an email and a blog, and you can comment, uh, on those, uh, if we get those before we, we put this up. We can um, take discussion requests from our fan Ian. Yeah. 
yeah, we'll we'll read comments and stuff, and hopefully, if we get those, I'll edit that into the end of this podcast, and you can go to those directly and uh, say what you like, say what you didn't like. If there is something, since this is our first episode, we're really looking for feedback. I think on what works, what doesn't work, uh, what we should do in the future. If you want us to stop and go to hell, then uh, feel free to send that to us. We'll be there. (laughs) We'll see you there. Um, We're still learning, so be gentle. Yes. Um, Even though Brandon prefers it rough. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay, he's generous. Yeah, I was just going to say, you're taking advantage of my generosity. (laughs) Um, All backs to jokes you made a minute ago. Anyway, um, is there any particular way we want to sign off? (laughs) Just cut it off halfway through like the battery went dead. (laughs) Yeah, so... (laughs) Um, yeah, so, uh, hope you enjoyed it, and, uh, hopefully you'll be hearing from us again in a couple weeks' time. Hopefully we'll have more of these done. Yeah. Keep on trucking. Keep watching the skies. (laughs) <laughs> Keep on watching the skies. Let, let's just throw out all of the sign-off cliches. Um, I don't the know, next password what? will be yeah. Weasley. Yes. Oh, you listened to Pottercast too? Well, I, I did years ago. Yeah, so did I. I, I. I don't anymore. I used to. Watch out for the reds and the Carthyites. <laughs> uh, what, what, what else is there? Choo-choo, chugga-chugga. Remember to eat your, you know, enjoy your burrito. Baba Booey. Good we night and good luck. Good night and good luck. <laughs> Rooster Teeth and The Escapist don't really have any particular ways of signing off besides The Escapist has their, uh, they have Susan Arendt uh, do her little spiel about where to uh, contact, and since we don't have anything to contact yet, then uh, we can't really do that. Um, I think we've exhausted our sign off. There will be... Keep on whitening those Crest White Stripes. <laughs> we should get a commission from Crest Whitening for all the name drops we've made during this podcast. That's the goal. Do you think I'm podcasting for the fun of it? I just want a sweet, <laughs> sweet Chris White Strips endorsement. Uh, podcasting is very lucrative. Yes. Alright. I guess we should probably sign off. We did it! Yay! Bye.
notice that when I, when you guys talk on Skype, your like pictures light up, so it it shows you who exactly is talking in case I forget which one of you sounds like what. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's it's helpful. Uh, see, you ruined it there because you both talked at the same time. Uh, it, again. Well, I am and, the one talking now. And I'm the one talking now. You are hearing me talk. <laughs> I'm keeping that in. The Al Gore doll. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that's yeah. what we're about. We're reporting from Tahir Square. Um <laughs> There's guys on, yeah. There's guys on camels bashing people with like polo mallets and stuff. <laughs> and we're in a studio in the middle of that. <laughs> All right. Oh wait. Um. Did you you were saying about how uh you wanted to throw like some songs in at some point? Yeah, and we can do that in post. Okay. I was gonna say do you have a way of doing that without like just holding your mic up to your speaker. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> I was wondering how we'd uh, do that. Yeah, I've got Audacity, and I can edit everything in there. Just throw uh, them in excellent. between. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's better than holding a microphone up to your like laptop speaker or something. Yeah, we'll just hum it. Be an issue. <laughs> oh yeah, hum theme song. Hum, hum the uh. Th- here's a song. I'll tell you about it, and then I'll hum it, and then we'll, this will happen three times. A show. Um, we'll talk about to the moon and uh. Like, I posted, I put into Google Doc the idea of, like, using that as a jumping-off point for talking about video games as art, like, doing that discussion. I, I've got your blog post up, Brandon, so we can bring that in if you want. Um, I, let, let's not get, like, specifically into it, because then that just feels too much like, hey, have you checked out my blog? Okay, yeah. That, yeah, we don't Farthering have our sellout name. <laughs> um, have you tried Crest White Strips? <laughs> Let me tell you about Crest White Strips. If hey, you if want whiter be... teeth, then you want Crest White Strips. <laughs> if that'll get us some money, then hey. Um... It's me a quarter every time I say Crest White Strips. <laughs> I heard um... that Arm and Hammer White Strips make your teeth fall out. <laughs> I heard that you voted for Satan last election. Go to hell, you sick bastard. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you're a Muslim. What? Obama is a communist Jew Hitler. <laughs> Baba Booey, Baba Booey, Howard Stern's penis. <laughs> so, that was the podcast. Good night. <laughs> um, uh, I'm going to drink some water and I'll edit this out. No, that's what the fans want. Yeah. As well as Crest White Strips. You speak of fans as if... <laughs> As if anybody's going to be listening to this. You say fans with an S as though it is plural. <laughs> what was that? What was that? What? Did you, did you like... There was like a big fall, thing of static. Did you fall out of one of those trains away. that was passing by? I am Hobo. I figured <laughs> you were kind of like... A hobo Jumping rails, stealing Wi-Fi. This is the train past houses. Hobos with Wi-Fi. You were just... <laughs> That's what we should call You ourselves. just spent two hours passing through suburbs stealing Wi-Fi on your hobo train. Get out your tinfoil hats. What? <laughs> Never mind. Just keep rolling. Let's actually do this.